The Christmas story is so familiar, isn't it? Should we just pray? Father, we ask that as the words of Scripture, as we hear them or as we read them, that by your Holy Spirit, you would make these words real to each one of us. Speak to us, Lord, from your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Chapter 2 of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. And Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard these words, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And he called together all the chief people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me. And following the star, they went to Bethlehem and came into the house where the child was. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. And there he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I have called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. 
For those who were trying to kill and take the child's life are now dead. And so he got up and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophet that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thank be to God. Okay, so Matthew is going to come and speak to us now out of Matthew's Gospel. And uh, last week, Matthew challenged us to uh, see if we could work out how many times it said in Matthew, the prophets. Yes. Yeah, I made it about 25. I don't know if anyone else looked it up. Oh. Um, there are at least four in that passage there, though, I think. So um, anyway, Matthew is going to talk to us about the things the prophets said and how they were fulfilled. And so let's pray for Matthew. Lord God, we thank you for Matthew and for everything he does for this church. And we pray that now you will speak through him, just as he spoke through the prophets of the Old Testament. And that just as they looked forward to Jesus and brought uh, a message of hope and good news about him, you would bring that same message of hope and good news this morning. Amen. Amen. There's a slight difference in height between David and I, so um, if you'll excuse me for just a second, um, this is going to be quite awkward unless I do this. I was taught, actually fairly late on in life, that it's righty-tighty, loosey-lefty, um, and it's been one of those piffy sayings which has stayed with me and served me well throughout my life, so um, there we are. While I'm just changing things around... I know Mr. Jarvis did his homework last week because he's told me his answer and it's now clear that David has had a look. But your challenge was to find out how many times the phrase so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet appears in Matthew's gospel. Did anyone else have a go at it? Not just the words prophet or fulfilled in isolation but the entire phrase so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, I think I'm going to re-challenge you to go back. <laughs> I'm not going to take one or two answers. I'm going to let you go back and engage with Matthew a bit more. Just as I was um, listening to David lead us through the first part of the service and, and worshipping, I was looking around, and this is a slight tangent, so I'll be careful not to go on too long. But I was looking around, at, and I saw Owen Reese and I saw Arthur, and, and I saw some of the newborn babies in church. And I was just thinking that there's that such a strong... Uh, parental feeling as you look at a small baby that says what will become of this child's life what promise does it hold and and in this series that we're doing where we're looking at the old testament prophecies concerning the conception the birth and the early ministry of jesus it got me wondering as i looked at these younger members of our church family, um, parts of our church family which God has already put great purpose within, 
what's God's plan and purpose for their lives? Well, of course, I don't have an answer for that, except it will be great. Um, so, actually, should we just pause and, and, and pray for those, those new babies in, in our church fellowship? And just say, Father, help the parents to raise those children to know you and to fear you as Lord God Almighty. And help them to cooperate with the work of your spirit in raising those children to fulfill your plans and purposes for their lives. And may your blessing and your favour rest upon them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, it's also true that we see God's promise and potential most acutely um, when we think about the lives of small children. But as we think about the birth of Christ, we can expand the concept of birthing a bit just to say that we can all have stuff birthed within our lives at any stage of them. We can always um, invite God to do a new thing in our lives. And that's echoed at points like baptism and marriage and changes in our life circumstances. We can invite God to birth something within us. So this Sunday is the second part of our series called Prophecy Fulfilled. Uh, and we're exploring those Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus. But the series is not designed just to be an intriguing academic study of prophecy. That would be fascinating in itself. But a realization that God is fulfilling that which he promised. And the Jewish people anticipated these Old Testament prophecies that we've been studying from of old for generations. And I hope I got that point across last week when we talked about the fulfillment in Jesus of the prophecy given to David that his throne would endure forever uh, and that prophecy being realized in Jesus but generations after David's death. And I challenged you to hold on to Jesus when people speak words of encouragement and knowledge, prophetic words, into your life. I asked you to hold on to Jesus when you prayed prayers that you don't believe you've yet seen realized. Hold on to Jesus. Slightly difficult for me to say that without a gospel choir song coming through my mind, which I'm not going to sing to you. But um, I can't remember if we're doing it at Beers and Cows this Wednesday, but the gospel choir will be at Beers and Cows this Wednesday, so there's a shameless plug from me. Last week, we explored the conception of Jesus. And as we looked at the parable of the mustard seed, we recognized that conception of a life or idea might be tiny in physical size and stature, but their impact can be huge. Rather annoyingly, it only occurred to me after last Sunday's talk that several uh, members of our church are project managers and start off with a brief which is, you know, quite small. It might fit onto one sheet of paper, but as you unveil that project and you get stuck into it, it becomes this gargantuan exercise requiring copious stakeholders and, and stages of life and so on. So um, you can see that small things that start small can have incredible outcomes. So today we move from the mustard seed of conception to the reality of a baby. And our passage from Matthew this morning 
was going to contain two Old Testament prophecies, and then Ted read the whole of chapter 2, which was great and helpful. So there are now three Old Testament prophecies, because there was the prophecy out of Egypt I called my son. Um, so there are three Old Testament prophecies, but the two that I was going to think about this morning were these. Um, firstly, in verse 6, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then in verse 23, So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, there's another one for those of you still counting, that he will be called a Nazarene. Matthew is reminding us that the Messiah King who is called Jesus didn't just come into a nondescript location. He was born in Bethlehem and then after a period in Egypt settled in Nazareth. Now the prophet who told us that the Messiah King Jesus would be born in Bethlehem was Micah. There's no specific prophet offered for the prophecy that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. But there are many prophets in the Old Testament which tell us that the Messiah would be despised. And so in Isaiah chapter 49, we read these words. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel. To him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And then later on, perhaps a more familiar passage from Isaiah again. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people would hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And so we learn from Isaiah and other prophets that the Messiah would be despised by some. But in the New Testament and in the Gospel of John specifically, we find out that Nazareth, the place where this Messiah King Jesus was to settle and grow up and have some of his formative years, was also looked down upon. Just as we're aware of communities in our area where, which would be regarded as, as the undesirable places, the places where, you know, you can access cheap property, the places where you might not want to send your child to school, because they're places that we frown upon. They're the undesirable places. Nazareth was, was one such place in Jesus' time. Surely a ruler, surely a shepherd or Messiah king would not settle and be brought up in such a place as Nazareth. Let's watch this video.
fearing for the safety of their newborn child should they return home, Mary and Joseph have decided to apply for asylum. While their asylum claim is being processed, the UK government has provided Mary and Joseph with some temporary accommodation. However, the conditions leave much to be desired. Meanwhile, some important visitors are getting their first taste of immigration enforcement in the UK. of uncertainty, Mary and Joseph's asylum claim has been refused. Let's try Egypt next, Joseph. For asylum seekers in the UK, this Christmas will be no laughing matter. Individuals seeking asylum in the UK are entitled to less than £37 a week in financial support or unable to work and are at risk of poverty and homelessness. <laughs> if their asylum claim is rejected. That's why, this year, churches are reminding the government about a particular Middle Eastern family who sought refuge in a foreign country over 2,000 years ago. It's time to give the asylum seekers of today the dignity they deserve. The video has been getting me all week since, um, since I nicked it from Simon, who shared it. Um, and it's on our church Facebook page if you want to watch it again. It occurred to me that we so often make God in our own image. And in one sense, there's no way to avoid the instinctive temptation to do that because we frame everything in our lives from the context of them. Uh, so, you know, if and... I think it's probably reasonably fair to say, you know, we're not, we're not hugely far away from being a typical middle-class church. Um, there will be exceptions, but on the whole, that's probably what stereotypes us. And we tend to frame our understanding of Jesus from the perspective of that position um, that we find ourselves in. And perhaps the video challenges us to see the reality that the Messiah King who we are looking forward to during this season of Advent was uh, with Mary and Joseph, a refugee from Egypt. They were foreigners in the land. And, and I've been to Egypt on holiday and I know how strict their immigration officials are. And we can only imagine what the incarnation of immigration was back in Jesus' time as this couple fled. 
And if you're part of or you've been following the Posada journey um, on our Facebook page, um, then you might want to challenge yourselves to think about the identity of this Middle Eastern family. Yes, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, God's Messiah, the one who was and is and is to come. All those lofty accolades that we rightly apply in praise to the Lord. But at a human level, a Middle Eastern family of refugees stranded on alien soil. So in verse 6 we read, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. These are the prophetic words of Micah, who was living in that period when the threat of the Assyrian Empire was so acute, and, and Micah and others were concerned that Jerusalem would again fall um, to the Assyrian Empire. So they lived surrounded by the reality of threat, and it's out of that context that these words come. Israel was rallying its armies to defend itself. Micah prophesies that Bethlehem will produce a new shepherd king and that this shepherd king would bring peace, security and protection from exile. And even down to the, um, the district of Bethlehem given in, in, Matthew, in Micah chapter 5 and, and verse 2 which tells us that um, this king would come out of Bethlehem Epaphrath we see the continuation of the line of David. That specific district of Bethlehem was the place where David, the unlikely king, was born. And, and you can't fail to notice the significance that Jesus the Messiah was born out of that same district after David's time, but still the promise seeping back into our reflections this week that David's throne will endure forever. And Israel is hoping that amidst the constant threats from neighboring armies, is hoping that this shepherd Messiah king will restore Israel. Jesus comes and is not just born of the lineage of David, but is born of that same community. And I think for us, there's something about God setting the foundations of our lives. God setting the places where we're born. God setting the places where we have our formative years. The places, the front lines where we work and where we have fellowship with each other. Could it be that God is using a location that has been part of your life to fulfill something he has purposed for you. And I promised Peter that even if you hadn't been in church this morning, I was going to use this, and I'll show you my notes afterwards. Um, Peter Cope said at ministry team, I think in 2014, and it's remained with me ever since, that in Camborne we're all immigrants. Everyone in Camborne is an immigrant. Camborne didn't exist 14, 15, 16 years ago. So all of us, you know, have the same claim to community at, at, at here in this special place where we've made home. We're all immigrants in Camborne. 
So my question is, what has God brought you to Camborne for? We say as a church that God sends the right people at the right time for the right purpose. What has God brought you to Camborne to do as part of his body in this place? The other thing to call out in this birth um, narrative of Matthew is the role of the Magi, certainly not Jews. And yet this birth is about the Messiah, the King of Israel, the one who will come and restore Israel, the one who will come from King David's line. And yet the Magi are not just accidental arrivals at the birth of Christ. They saw and have been guided by a star. And as in the video, we begin to realize that the hope that Jesus brings is for all people. The Messiah King's kingdom is not just for the Jews, but for everyone. And whilst it's noted in the passage, and whilst it's not noted in the passage, I wonder if there's a prophetic message in this as a message for our times that in an increasingly polarized world, the Messiah King comes to bring people together in his kingdom under his rule so that his purposes may be fulfilled. And in our community in Camborne, can we be people of the Messiah King who reveal that God who invited the Gentile Magi invites all people to live together in his kingdom? Micah tells us that this ruler will shepherd Israel. And as we look at our passage this morning, recognize that we don't just have prophecies of old, but we have stars and angels guiding the Magi, guiding Mary and Joseph and Jesus into places of safety and protection. I wonder what it is to be people of the Messiah King. Herod the Great has died, and he's divided up his kingdom into three districts, and he's given each of his sons, and we heard about two of them, Herod in our story, who's not Herod the Great, but also Archelaus, uh, king of Judah, and I've forgotten the third. But he's divided up his kingdom into these three rulers, and they all have defined territories, and they all have laws governing how they shall operate. And some hold to those laws more than others, but they're defined territories. I wonder what it might be like to be people of the Messiah King who has no defined territory, whose kingdom is open to all and spans the test of time and spans geography. A kingdom where the revelation of that kingdom comes through you and I being prepared to say, yes, Lord, and having the courage to live out the values of that kingdom in our front lines, in the places where we find ourselves. We grow as a Christian people when we engage in the mission of the Messiah King. So I want to keep repeating to you as I close this morning, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to the Messiah King who asks you, invites you not only to be a part of his kingdom, but to be a part of the revelation of that kingdom by being faithful to him. 
I want to encourage you again and again and again to hold on to Jesus for those words of encouragement and prophecy and words of knowledge that have been spoken into your lives. I want to keep on encouraging you to hold on to Jesus tightly to those prayers, sometimes hard prayers, tough prayers, prayers that will influence the course of your life and that of your families. Hold on to Jesus in those prayers and in the waiting because the Messiah King brings restoration, brings hope. And along with the angel host and the star of Bethlehem and each other, he will lead us into safe places. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to him. Jesus is coming. Hold on. We just sit in silence for a few moments and say to our Lord, the Messiah King, help us to hold on to you.